0: Welcome to the Remarkability Institute podcast, turning the art of communication into the science of remarkable results. BART is committed to giving one million people their voice. BART is committed to giving you your voice. It's time for you to stand up, step out, and speak up. With more than 30 years' experience helping people develop their communication skills, build their confidence, and find their voice, here's your host, Bart Queen.
1: Welcome to the Remarkability Institute. This is Bart Queen, your host. If you joined us last week, I began a series on virtual communication. And last week, I spent the majority of our time together giving you the structure of what the meeting needed to look like. I shared with you that there were three key pieces to doing something virtually successfully. Number one, there's the pre virtual meeting, getting all the logistics set up. There's the actual meeting itself, whether you're on Microsoft Teams, you're on WebEx, you're on Zoom, whatever kind of a platform you're using. And then there's the post-virtual meeting, critical in order to drive the listener forward, the organization forward, get them to take the action steps that you so desire. This is the second major piece of that, and this is around the actual virtual meeting. But within that virtual meeting, it is critical that you have some type of a structure that you can work within. When all the world travel that I've had an opportunity to do in my 30 years of working with this skill set and helping organizations, one of the key things that I always enjoy are the architectural structures of things that I've had the privilege of seeing. Walking on the Great Wall of China, seeing Notre Dame, seeing Sacred Heart, seeing things in the United States, seeing buildings and architecture all over the world. Now, having spent the majority of my life in the Bay Area as my home, that part of the world had two structures that I always admired. One is the Golden Gate Bridge and the other is the Hoover Dam. Both of those structures to me are just mind-boggling about how they were built, how they've created, and how they have been timely and timeless in what they have brought to you and I. Not only visually, but to get from one side of the bay to the other, and in the Hoover Dam in order to produce electricity, and just the visual sight of such a structure. Most people, when we talk about structure, they want to fight me on this idea around content. They will say, Bart, that's not me. It constricts me. It makes me feel like it's too tight. I'm just one of those guys that's got to be pure freestyle. I love those people, whether you want to be freestyle or you want to work within a structure, that you are authentic to who you are. But I want you to realize that in my example of the Golden Gate Bridge and the Hoover Dam, that structure, the structure that they use, gives the bridge and the dam strength. It allows it to be continuous. It allows it to be consistent. It allows it to be timely and timeless in what it brings to us. I want your content, whether you're talking personally or professionally, to be timely and timeless With the people that you're sharing it with from my perspective one of the key things that will help you be successful in any communication situation is having a content structure that you work within now today guys as i dive into that second aspect around virtual communication What I want you to do is walk away with the elements of the content structure that you can use anywhere. Why it is so important in the virtual world is because the level of complexity, intensity, and confusion can skyrocket purely because of the mode that we're communicating in. When it's face to face, we can reduce some of those things. But if we take these exponential factors that we have to deal with, we have to think of ways to make it seamless, effortless, make it so the listener can retain the information, and more importantly, in my mind, so that they remember it. Remember, if you've spent any time with me at all, you've heard me say it's not about how do I tell them more, it's how do I get them to remember more that becomes so critical. I want to make sure. That your content, whether it's 5 minutes, 50 minutes, or 5 hours, you're doing a whole day kind of an event, that people walk out the door absorbing what you said. Structure is the beginning piece. It is the key critical factor that will set you out from everybody else. Guys, if you will study a good keynote speech, if you will look at any book that is successful, if you will look at any movie, that has been successful there is structure that the directors the writers and the creators all build within when i think about good movies when i think about movies like star wars and avatar some of those kinds of movies they have followed a structure and nine times out of ten the structure that the directors followed was some form of the hero's journey You've heard me speak of this many times. So with that idea, let's dive into this idea of our virtual content structure for the actual meeting that you're doing. Now, when I started this process with you, we talked about three major areas, the pre-meeting, the actual meeting, and the post-meeting. We're talking now about the structure within the actual meeting. This is where I'm going to focus in our time together. I want you to remember a simple principle, that there's freedom in structure. I also want you to remember we never, we never memorize what we put in it. We memorize the structure itself. If you'll memorize the structure, you can plug and play anything you want. You can move the pieces around if you want. But here's the hard thing. We have to do the hard work and keep it simple for our listener, especially in the virtual world. That is principle number one. You have to be able to do the hard work. you got to be able to keep it simple. Do the hard work and keep it simple. I want you to remember that a confused mind will always say no. So if they're confused, they're not even going to absorb what you're talking about. So now that's principle number one. Guys, let's take a look at principle number two. It's what I call the 75% rule. Now, this rule has saved many, many, many times. Let's say someone invites you to come in and they're going to give you an hour to speak. You go back to your office, you go back to your cubicle, and you're starting to craft content. And most of you are probably crafting content in PowerPoint. Now, here's what I want you to remember about the 75% rule. It's 75% of the time you've been given is what you should try to fill. So if I've asked you to fill 60 minutes and you apply the rule, that's 45 minutes. That's what everybody's going to think. But I want you to realize that is not correct. There's one other thing that I want you to consider factoring in. I want you to back out what you and I would call your Q&A time or your banter time or the time when you're just going to really have a conversation. Maybe that's all the way through. Maybe that's just at the end, depending on how you've laid out the communication situation that you're in. So if I've given you 60 minutes and you follow the 75% rule, you're going to think, okay, I need to fill 45. Now, remember that's incorrect. So you take your 60 minutes, back out what you want for banter or Q&A. So let's make life easy and say that's 15 minutes. That leaves you 45 minutes. Now you want to take 75% of that to fill with your content. Now, a lot of you are going, well, Bart, that doesn't seem like very much. That's because you have such a mindset of, How do I tell them more? How do I tell them more? How do I tell them more? And my mindset to help you is, how do you get them to remember more of what I'm telling you? If I invited you to a meeting and it ended five minutes early, would you be happy or sad? You'd be happy. You'd go, oh, great. I just got five minutes back. Especially if they were thorough. It is better, far better, to end on time and start on time then end late because what you're saying is you're not respectful of their time. Now, if you've engaged them, if they thought, wow, this is really awesome. And they're saying, that's interesting. Tell me more. And you go over your timeframe, then you are winning. But most of us want to try to cram 60 minutes of information into that 60 minute slot and you leave yourself no leeway. For conversation, banter, or, or even a question that takes you down a rabbit hole that you need to address. And it may take a moment or two before you come back out. And then you've really lost time. And if you have dictated everything that you're doing by PowerPoint, now you're going, okay, what do I have to do? Now I have to go through these slides really quick. And guys, look what you've just done. You've just compromised your information. You just said to this executive audience, this is of no value. You've already lost. So let's say you walk in the door and they gave you 60 minutes and the executive says, I'm really sorry, we've had some time changes. You're down to 30 minutes. Okay. Now, if you said to them, all right, based on the 10 things I was going to share with you, and my time is roughly cut in half, which five would be the most important to you? And I'll cover those. Now you need to think through that 75% rule based on that. But what you're saying in that first place is my information is of value and I'm not willing to compromise it. Don't compromise your information. Use this 75% rule. Have the mindset of I'm trying to get you to remember more, not tell you more. You set the precedent. It is your content. This is your valuable information. Don't sell it short. Principle number one, there's freedom in structure. Do the hard work, keep it simple. Second principle, 75% rule. Now let's go for the third. The third principle I want you to walk away with is the structure process. So if you have pen and paper out and you're at home, you're listening to this, or if you're driving, just keep listening then, guys. Just keep listening and come back and make these notes. So there are five steps in the process. And if you will just follow these five steps every time you have to craft content in order to work through the structure, you'll win every single time. Number one, you have to set your goals. What is it you're trying to achieve? Are they more strategic goals or are they more tactical goals? That drives everything. Are you trying to paint the vision? Where do I want to take the customer? Where do I want to take the client? Are you deep into implementation and process getting something put into place and you you need to talk about tactical steps? The next thing you want to know is your listener analysis. Everybody will tell your listener, know your listener. And guys, nobody takes the time to understand their listener. What do they want to know? What do they need to know? What's their knowledge level on the topic? You want to be able to answer these basic questions. Now, the ones I always start with are what I call the five high gain questions. High gain question number one What's your compelling event? What's driving this? Why all of a sudden do you care about this? If you can get them to articulate their compelling event, you can map your solution tool or product to that, and you could just stop. You could be done. You've probably got enough. Now, remember, you can't walk up to them or have a conversation with them. What's your compelling event? They're going to think that you're strange. I always ask it, why is this on your radar screen? That's how I ask it. Or why do you care about this all of a sudden? Why haven't you been worried about it before? Any way you want to ask that. Compelling event is your first high-gain question. Second high-gain question. What are the top three internal pains that you're facing around x whatever the topic is around risk around performance around security around innovation whatever the topic would be the top three internal pains the third eye quick question high gain question you're just going to go to the other side guys so what are the top three external pains that you're facing around x Now, here's the beauty of these two. Many times those two things are interrelated. They're connected in some way, shape, or form. If you can find that connection, that can make it very powerful. And then the next two are the two that I think 99.9% of most people miss. Typically, what's your challenge? What's your issue? What's your pain? What's your problem? That's one side of the coin. I like to go to the other side of the coin is what are the top three initiatives that you're working on around X? Now, remember, if a company has got an internal initiative, they're already working at solving a problem. So your job is to enhance what they're already doing. Many of your solution tools and products and services that you bring can do that very easily. And then the fifth high gain question is what's that? External initiative in the marketplace or outside your department or d- your division, still within your company, maybe, that you're working on. Those five high gain questions for me open up a discovery session that can be very powerful, very conversation with no threat. That's why I like those questions. So, in the process, number one, set the goals, number two, have a solid understanding of your listeners. Number three, you've got to be able to craft your open and your close. Now, notice that I didn't say do the body yet. Most people want to do the, the middle first. I don't think that's correct. You need to have a starting place and an ending place. And based on that starting place and ending place, you can decide what's the best thing to do to fill in between. To me, an open and a close, if it is done properly and done well. It is the GPS unit of your content. So think about getting in your car to go someplace with your family or friends that you've never been before. Mm -hmm. Whether you're using your GPS on your car or using it on your phone. You plug in the destination where you want to go. You plug in the address. Your GPS unit picks up where you're at that moment. And then does it not give you the fastest, most effective way to reach your destination? That's exactly what an open and a close does. It gives you a starting place and an ending place and then helps you narrow down what piece of content, the body that you need to share in order to take them from the open to the close. But if you do it the other way around, here's my principle, you just show up and throw up instead of it being clean, crisp, and there's a flow to your content. And then you want to develop your content. What needs to go in the middle based on what that open and close is? Those are typically, what are your major points? Most people would say, I'm going to cover three points or five points or six points or eight points. I can't encourage you enough. I would never do more than four. Three is the golden number. Four, boy, you're on the edge. After five, they can't remember. Now, if you do seven, eight, nine, you're back to that principle of I'm here to tell you more instead of how do I get you to remember more? And then step number five, all that hard work, all that hard work you turn into whatever visual seems appropriate. Is that a PowerPoint? Great. If it is super, if it's not, how about you want to do a whiteboard more, have a conversation, or maybe you're going to bring in a physical prop, whatever you decide, there's not a right or wrong. I would ask yourself the question, what is the best way for me to visually enhance my content? Guys, if I'm in an audience of, say, 100 or more, I'm going to use PowerPoint just from a readability perspective. If I have a smaller group, my favorite is a flip chart or a whiteboard. It's far more interactive, but those are my choices. You make the right choice. But I would think through the visual that will best reinforce and enhance the content that you're trying to share with your listener.
0: Building trust, building relationship, and building engagement are the three cornerstones to effective communication. The challenge is that being effective in all three of these areas takes work. The question becomes, how do you build the skills to confidently engage and connect with your audience to have a conversation? If you know that you want to build on these skills, investigate the ultimate strategic speaking system three-day boot camp we offer as in-classroom training or as a virtual instructor-led training. Learn more at bartqueen.com.
1: So that was principle number three. Principle number four is what I call the simplicity factor. Now remember that we're doing the hard work and we're keeping it simple. We're doing the hard work and we're keeping it simple. The simplicity factor really has four pieces to it. Number one, remember that we talk to people. We look people in the eye and we have a conversation. Now, if you're doing something virtually, remember you're not talking to your screen, you're talking to your camera. You're talking to your camera, not to the screen. And if I could encourage you, if it's small group, camera's on. Small group, cameras on. If I've got 15 or less people, I want everybody to have their camera on. Because I want to see their bright, smiling faces. Because as well as I do, if you allow them to have their camera off, they're going to do something else. They're going to do their email. They're not going to pay any attention to you. I know in my home, because my home is way out in the country, many times when I'm doing something and it's a large group virtually, say, for example, on Zoom, Because my internet is not that great, if I turn my camera off, I have a steadier signal. It works more effectively. But when I do that, I'll tell the people on my call, that's what I'm going to do. But I will stop and do a lot of check-in. Remember, it's about a conversation with folks. Second simplicity factor, get to the point. Be clear, concise, and to the point. When you're doing something virtual, this is no place to be verbose because you're going to lose people. They won't stay focused. Nobody wants to stare at that screen or a PowerPoint slide for that long period of time without something changing. And then, guys, remember, you want to say it over and over again. Now, that brings me back to the seven-factor phrase. Remember that the listener has to hear something seven times before they remember it. Seven times. Seven times. And you're going to go, Bart, how do I say something seven times in an hour? Seven times in an hour is pretty simple. What I always get a kick at is when my MBA students will say, Bart, how do I say say something seven times in five minutes? But I get them to do it. And it is revolutionary because at the end of every five-minute talk, I'll say, now, what was Sam's seven-factor phrase? And the class will call it out. Remember, their goal is to get them to remember more, not tell them more. And then in everything that you do, it has to be clear. Guys, it has to be easy to understand. If it is not, you're going to lose your listener, especially in the virtual world. Now let's go to principle number five. And this is what I call the four H's. Now I want to remind you that people buy with emotion and they verify with fact. People buy with emotion and they verify with fact. So there are four simple H's that I want to share with you. And if you'll keep these in mind as you craft content, it will help. The first H is the word help. Be there, solve a pain, solve an issue, assist them, educate them, Somehow help them achieve what they're trying to accomplish. Walk in the door and say, how can I empower you? How can I make a difference? What can I do for you to help you? Come in with that attitude. Your first H is help. The second one is heart. Now you may think, okay, Bart, you're getting squishy on me. But when I'm talking about heart, I'm talking about captivating their emotions through stories, through examples, through experiences. But you have to be able to share them. Share your company story. Share your personal story. Share with them why you get up every day and want to go fight this battle. Share your heart a little bit so they get to know you. Remember, they're going to buy you first and then they're going to get your company or your tool or your product or your service. And the third, I would inspire, which is hope. Inspire them that they can make a difference. Inspire them that they can reach the goal that they're trying to achieve. That hope and heart are very closely interrelated. Now, remember that when you're sharing that kind of hope and heart, it's always relevant. You're vulnerable, but it's relevant. You're vulnerable, but it is relevant. It takes a tremendous amount of strength to be vulnerable enough to share with them your stories and your examples. And remember that it is your failures that inspire people, not your successes, because you're sharing with them how you've overcome. That fourth H is humor. The best thing that can help an audience relax is just a little fun, a little humor. Guys, remember, jokes are high risk, low return. I'm not talking about jokes. Natural humor, self-defacing humor, a funny story about yourself, a funny story about one of your children. So if you think about giving them an opportunity to laugh, inspiring them to achieve, capturing their emotions, and saying that you're going to help them, those four H's, those four H's will take you a long ways when you add in your content, but remember you got to do the hard work and you got to keep it simple. And most people won't think, how do I help? How do I share my heart? How do I give them hope? And how do I make them laugh today? That's principle number five. Now principle number six are what I call drivers. These are what drive your actual virtual meeting. Now, This is extremely important. So guys, I don't want you to miss any of this. Number one, you need to define your purpose for doing this meeting. Let me give some examples. Is the purpose to sell? Is the purpose to teach? Is the purpose to educate? Or is the purpose just to build awareness around what you bring to the table? You've got to be able to pinpoint what that purpose is because that dictates what you do within the virtual meeting itself. The second driver is audience size. Now, here is something for you to remember if it's one to 10, the content can have greater complexity. Because it's a small group, you can banter. They can ask questions. There could be more feedback. You can go back and forth if the group is small. So if the group is small, raise the complexity of your content. If the group is large, 25, 35, 45, 50. If you've got a big group that you're doing a virtual situation around, you have to keep it simple. You have to keep it simple because nobody can interact in that group environment. Oh, sure, you can do a show of hands. You can do something in the chat room. But realize if there's 50 people in your session, you've got 50 different people probably thinking 50 different things. Smaller the group, the greater complexity. The larger the group, simpler the content has to be. So you pinpointed your purpose. You've worked with your audience size. The third key driver is the outcome or the goal you're trying to achieve. Now, I want to give you three outcomes that I want you to pinpoint every time you do a virtual meeting. This is what I want you to be able to answer. At the end of the meeting, at the end of the meeting, what do you want them to think? What do you want them thinking when it's all said and done? Second one, what do you want them to do? And the third one is, what do you want them to feel? What do you want them to think? What do you want them to do? And what do you want them to feel? Anytime I get asked to give give a keynote type of speech or a TED type talk, I always ask the person inviting me to come to speak those three things. When I'm all said and done, If you could write the script, what do you want them to think? What do you want them to feel? And what do you want them to do? And I have them tell me. And then I begin to twist and tweak and work with my content so I can drive those things. Because I want that person who's asked me to be satisfied. In this situation, say you're a selling situation, you want to be able to dictate that. Okay, on my first sales call, what do I want them to think? What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to do? What do I want them to think is the fact that this solution tool or product will work for them? What do I want them to feel? I want them to feel hopeful and inspired that they can get this done. And what do I want them to do? I want them to set up one more meeting. I want them to set up for me to come in and do some type of a demonstration on the solution tool or product. It's very pinpointed. So, guys, I've just walked you through six different principles, ideas, as we think about the actual virtual meeting itself. Those are the principal foundation ideas that we're going to build the structure from. Now, this is going to be a two-part session. What I've covered, the first one was the idea of what the meeting looked like from an overall perspective. There's the pre-virtual meeting, the actual meeting, and the post. That's at its highest level. Now we're working within the actual meeting and I've given you the principles in order to build. Now I want to come back to something that I shared with you earlier. That structure is key to your success. What I want you to begin to do is implement some of these principles, start integrating them into your next virtual meeting. Think through some of these ideas and make sure you're actually building it into your meeting content. Now, if it's not a virtual meeting, these things will apply in your face-to-face, small group or large group. I want to make sure that your information is timely. I want to make sure that it is timeless, meaning it can be shared over and over again with others. And more importantly, I want you to walk into the situation confident that you can achieve what you'd like to achieve. Now, don't miss our next session where I'm actually going to break into the content structure components. We've got to be able to bring these two pieces together. And I look forward to sharing that with you. So guys, this has been the Remarkability Institute. This is Bart Queen, your host. I can't wait to see you at our next podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Remarkability Institute with Bart Queen. Make your voice count today. Stand up, step out, and speak up. Your voice counts. Visit bartqueen.com for show notes and other resources to help you turn the art of communications into the science of remarkable results.